Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We have been dealing with a series on grace reigns through righteousness. Today is the 22nd session in the series. I have I've, I spent most of yesterday duplicating the series. Okay? Um, so for those of you that did not get part A, there's more copies of part A, and I've duplicated about 40 copies of part B. Part B of the Grace Reigns Through Righteousness series contains sessions 11 to 21. Although your label says 11 to 20, I just added one in, Pancela. Just threw it in, okay? So 11 to 21 sessions, and that is the bulk of the focus on the series on, on integrity. Everyone say integrity. So all that work we did on what does it mean to be integrous, person, a man or woman of absolute integrity, you'll find on that part B, C. No one should leave this morning without at least getting righteousness part B. If you don't have righteousness part A, please get both. And we only charge 20 rand. There's no profit made on these. You see the extent to which we do artwork, printing, covers, etc. It's far more than 20 rand. We just charge you a fee so that you can place value in what you're getting. And also just to keep that side of the ministry self-sustaining. Okay? Although I think the way I give away, I think we run at a loss every single time. Okay? So, but nevertheless, that is something that I think everybody must be thoroughly aware of. Righteousness, when you say you are righteous, what you're saying is, I am compliant to God's design, as the the children said, his wish or will for how the sons of God should live. Whenever you think in any department of your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your, your relationship with your boss at work, in your relationship with friends, peers, with your wife, with your, with your children, with your parent above you. In any domain, any expression of life, you must ask yourself, am I righteous? Is my attitude or action in reference to this department acceptable to God? Is it in keeping with God's design for how I, as a son of God, should live? Am I righteous? And then we, we went off from that to say that integrity is an application of righteousness. You must be a person of absolute integrity. And then do not sin, because first John teaches that all unrighteousness is sin. Remember? He said this, if you've been tracking first John with us in your private readings, all unrighteousness is sin. I then asked, what is sin? And he read a portion just now from chapter 3 where he said, and sin is lawlessness or the transgression of God's law. The Greek word for sin is hamashia, which means what? You know what? Come on. What does hamashia mean to? To miss the mark. So if a, a, a postman is aiming bow and arrow at the bullseye and he misses it, that's sin in the Greek concept. Basically, sin in the Greek means to miss the mark. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? What have you missed? The glory. What's the mark? The glory. What did we find glory as? 
Exact representation of God's nature. Everyone say exact representation. So if I don't exactly represent God, I've missed the mark. So then we, we said to, to leave sonship, to go away from sonship, or not to behave as a son is sin that misses the mark. It's the, you're not reflecting the glory of the Lord. John makes two statements in his epistles of a sin that leads to death and a sin that does not lead to, that does not lead to death. The sin that does lead to death is when the son of his own volition willingly disconnects from his father, God his father, right? Separates. Uh, remember it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Isaiah 59 says, but your sins, Isaiah 59 too, your sins have separated you between you and your God. What does sin do? Sin separates. I'm quoting, I think it's Isaiah 59.2. It says, your sins have separated, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. What's the effect of sin? Everyone say separation. The separation here is not physical as much as it's spiritual. So when I say, where the scripture says, the soul that sins, this is Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sins, it shall die. Death there is not primarily physical death, but a spiritual separation from, from God. Let me just say this. The worst hell to be in is to be alive on the earth, but be separated from God. That is worse than hell itself. The feeling of I'm separated. But if I'm connected and attached, my relationship with him is vital. I'm one with him. He's my father. I am his son. I mustn't vacate that position of sonship because that sin leads to death. So now, what about the lying, the stealing, the fornication, the adultery, the misrepresentation, those other things? We think, we mainly think when we say sin, we think those things, not so? But the real sin is what? Missing the mark. Which What is the mark? The glory of God. What can only contain the glory of God? The Son of God. So if I don't behave as a son, I've missed the mark. And once I leave that position, all of these other sins that do not lead to death become options. Become, um, I become, I open myself to them. But if I constantly stay here in sonship, I don't fall prey to a holder of other vices. So, and you read the scripture. Whoever is born of God cannot sin. Now, you can say, yes, but I'm sinning. But the scripture says you cannot sin because God's seed abides. God's seed abides in you. Okay? Now, and then he says, uh, Quinton read a scripture last week from chapter 1 and chapter 2, where he says, Little children, I write to you that we might not sin. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all what? All unrighteousness. So, watch. I might fall from time to time because I'm still in this flesh. I might fall because of human weakness. But my sin in those respects do not make me less of the Son of God that I am. I'm still God's Son because I've never left sonship. 
I've never left the sin that could lead to eternal death and separation, which is vacating sonship. But as a son, I must learn to master these little sins or expressions or symptoms of sin that could, if not dealt with, potentially erode my position of sonship in Christ. You understand, okay? That's the issue, okay? So then what I've been doing is, I explained to you two or three weeks ago what carnality is from 1 Corinthians 3. Okay, I won't go there now. But my point is, you must overcome being carnal. Being, being, having sinful proclivities or sinful tendencies. This flesh must be overcome. How many of you know Brandon from Stanger? Young man Brandon. A principle I learned from him was this. When Jesus said, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. All the versions of the scripture he said say on earth. The King James is the only one that says in earth. The principle is this. God's, you, your body, he said, is the last item of earth that God made. Because where does the body come? From the earth, right? So the will of the Lord, he said, the kingdom, the will, must be done in this earth first. Before it's done on the planet earth. Before the world systems can be influenced with the purposes and the will of God... This earth, the will of God must be done in this body before it can be done on the planet. Okay? So you must master the flesh. Tell someone, or look at your hand and say, this earth. Right? Say, this flesh must be overcome. Right? Last week, we started the process. I'm giving you keys now of how to live righteously. Last week and the week before, the first principle I said is abide in sonship. And sonship is a very strong position. I won't go to the details. Please listen on the CDs. The second principle we discussed, the next is the power of God's word. Right? Have the word strongly within you because that is going to be your arsenal or your weaponry by which you respond to temptations to sin. Right? You, you, you're more prone to sin when you are wordless. But if you are wordful, you can withstand it. How shall a young man cleanse his way? But by giving heed to your word. John, John himself says, I write unto you young men because you are strong and you've overcome the wicked one and the word of God abides in you richly. Right? Got to have the word in you. Jesus was tempted in the, in, in the wilderness. He responded to the temptations by saying, it is written. That is why I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a protagonist. I'm a, I'm a keen encourager for daily devotion to God's word. And the church, we've been dealing with First John every day. Um, I've decided, please go through First John again this week. Tell someone, you really missed something. <laughs> you know when you read something, you reread it, you say you missed something, didn't see something there. Okay? So I want to encourage you, read First John again. Seven chapters, five chapters in his first epistle, one in the second, one in the third. It's a total of seven chapters. Take the next seven days, focus on a chapter. Isn't John coming alive? Didn't when Andy read it now? You've read it now, you sing it. Doesn't the word speak to you? Yeah. Come on, church. Doesn't the word speak to you? Who loves the Bible? Come on. I love God's word. You must love the word of God. If you ever going to say, I'm going to master this thing called righteousness. 
if you try and do it without the installation, deliberate installation of God's word, not going to happen. Not going to happen. In fact, what is the word called? In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible is called the word of righteousness. Hebrews 5, sorry, Hebrews 5 somewhere, the latter part of that chapter. The Bible says that the, 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 the scriptures define or describe the word of God as the word of of righteousness. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all doctrine is profitable for training, for instruction, for reproof, for training in righteousness. So the word of God is called the word of righteousness. And it's designed to instruct you in righteousness. There's no righteousness without that word. Now, third, everyone say third. Okay. The third aspect that I want to encourage you with is to factor into your arsenal in your desire to overcome sin in all its forms and to, to migrate to the place of absolute rectitude in God is by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do this in two sessions. I'll start this week, and then next week I'll conclude the thought. It's just too much to do in one session. Okay? Everyone say the power of the Holy Ghost. You must not neglect the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a person. He is not an abstract force. The Holy Ghost is God. As the Father is God, as the Son is God, the Holy Ghost is God. He is not an it. He is not a power that you use at your convenience when you have a need. The Holy Ghost is a person. He got feelings. He is extremely sensitive. The Bible says we must not grieve him and we must not quench him. Two things. Quench not the Spirit. First Thessalonians 5. Ephesians 4. Grieve not the Holy Ghost. Have you ever been grieved? You know, the Holy Ghost can be hurt by your actions. And when you grieve or quench him, both Greek words in terms of those two respective terms imply you neutralize his potential effect in your life. You're so squashed or, or prohibited his total work because you've offended him. He's an extremely sensitive person. Everyone say the Holy Ghost. And I'm saying to you, you've got to befriend the Holy Ghost. You've got to talk to him. The Bible says he's your advocate. He's your legal aid. He's your counselor. He's your paracletos. He's your comforter. He's your best friend. Jesus said, I'm leaving. We told his three or these twelve after three years walking with him. Please listen to it. Jesus said this. I'm going to my father. But in my absence, I will send you another comforter. The Holy Ghost. He will be with you forever. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. Whatever he has heard of me, he will take the things that I have said and he will make them known to you. Who loves the Holy Spirit? For the next two weeks, church, I want you to be thoroughly aware of him. Joel, he is a person. He is not, don't think of the Holy Ghost as a power or force. He's a person. He was there right at the creation. When the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It was 1 John. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the 
the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit did what? Everyone do this. It's like he, he hovered over the waters. Right? Waters are ref- Next week I'm going to talk about the relationship between spirit and water. I won't get there now. This is too much to explain. I need to do some introductory things. Listen carefully. Wherever there's water, you'll find the spirit. Water is an image of the word. I've been encouraging you focus on the word. Let me just say this. When you become a word man, you'll become a spirit man. Because the spirit himself looks for word to come and hover over. Think about like this. When I open my Bible to study just John this week, and I open to chapter 1, guess what the Spirit's going to say? Wow, there's water. Let me go. Rita's studying. I'm going to make it alive. I'm going to speak to her. You want the power of the Holy Ghost? Who wants more of the Holy Ghost? You want more of that dynamic? I'm telling you, enrich your word content and your spirit content will automatically grow. Because it's the context that he, the Holy Ghost, looks for when he wants to work. When he wants to work. Jesus was the word made flesh. Okay. I don't want to go ahead of myself. Let me back up. Tell someone we're backing up. Because I get excited when I speak about these things. Because it excites me. Some of us are dry like dry sticks. You need some vavavum. <laughs> you need some life in the spirit. Pastor Thomas spoke about this two weeks ago, actually. The need for life in the Spirit. To be Spirit-filled. Yeah. To be aware of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Do you know all the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost primarily function or are designed to function even outside of the church? Yeah. At your workplace, He can give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, etc. Amen. Acts 16, verse 7. Acts 16, verse 7. I want to speak about the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Sonship. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Sonship. This you must get because if I'm to overcome sin, carnality, I said first principle, abide in Sonship. Second principle, love the, the Word of God. And then be aware of the Holy Ghost's power. I'm saying to you, the same Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Sonship. Okay? Let's have a look at a few verses of Scripture. After they came to Messiah, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the spirit of who did not permit them? The spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Where's Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He left the planet. They saw him go up, and he said, I'm only going to come back in like fashion as I've left much later. But here in the book of Acts, the apostles were intending to go to a certain place, and the Bible references, this is a reference of the Holy Spirit, by the way. But he's called many things in the scripture. In this context, he, the Holy Ghost, is called the Spirit of? Who was Jesus? Jesus was the Son of God. I'm going to prove to you that when you say, I have the Spirit, you are saying simultaneously, I have the Spirit of Jesus. I have the Spirit of Sonship. Say with me, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. He is the spirit of sonship. Okay? Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father! Exclamation mark. That's why I'm, that's why I'm crying. 
What, is, what does this mean? What does this in grammatical use, what does this mean? What does this word mean? Raise the volume. Say it with me. Come on, let's all try it. Say, Abba, Father. One, two, three. Abba, Father. It says, watch, you are a sinner. You are hell-bent, separated from God through the condition of orphanity. You're an orphan, alienated from God. But when he saved you, you know what he did? He sent his spirit. That's why you have not received a spirit. I am no longer a slave to fear. We sing in the song, I am a son of God. I am a child of God. Not so? That song is based on this scripture. The right of that song based that whole song on the scripture. I'm no more have the spirit of slavery which leads to fear. Remember when Adam sinned? Yes? Come on. Did he commit adultery? First sin? No. Was there lies involved? No. Was there theft? No. Was there fraud? No. Was there fornication? No. Adam's sin was a departure from sonship. Right? He missed the mark of representing his, of representing his father. And remember when the Lord came and the Lord said, Adam, where are you? It's not like God didn't know. God wanted Adam to know where he was in reference to relationship with him. And you know what the Bible says? And the Bible says, and Adam hid himself. And the Lord God asked the man, why did you hide? He said, because I feared. The first time afraid or fear exists in the Bible You must remember one hermeneutical principle for studying the scriptures is this. That first time anything is mentioned in the Bible sets the template or the pattern for how you interpret that principle in the rest of the Bible. Everyone say first mention. It's very powerful. Like the first mention of the word worship in in the Bible is when Abraham said to his, his men, you stay here, Isaac and I will go up to worship the Lord. But in his heart, he knew I'm going up to sacrifice the boy. He's, Abraham's concept of worship wasn't worship teams, wasn't music, wasn't song. Abraham's concept of worship was to obey God and offer him the most costliest thing I have. Cost me everything. Say first mention. So if you don't understand worship in terms of how it's first mentioned in the Bible, you will misinterpret the rest of its mentions throughout the Bible. So if you don't understand how fear, what fear is in terms of its origin, when did Adam fear? He feared when he disconnected from God. What Adam did was this, watch. He left sonship and he went into orphanity. He became an orphan. An orphan is one without a, without a father. And so the, 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 the God who is a father was designed to be of benefit to a son now becomes Adam's enemy. God became Adam's enemy instead of becoming Adam's father. And so he hid himself. But this portion of scripture, this portion says, no more slaves to fear. Repeat this out to me, no more slaves to fear. Say it again, say, I am a son of God. Let me just say this to you. You will not fear God's wrath anymore. You will not fear being on the judgment side of God when you stay in sonship. Even with all your weaknesses and flaws right now, I'm saying to you, the position of sonship is the most powerful any human can come to. For in that position, there's no fear of God. 
Because you love God as your, as your, as your father. So it's, there's no, we don't fear again, but we have received the spirit of adoption. So the Holy Ghost in this context is described as a spirit of adoption. The word adoption in the Greek, um, framing of it in terms of its understanding is a very powerful thing. It's like God adopted you into his family. Now, in, in the concept used here, an adop- adopted child could not be disowned. Right? It could not be, um, he almost had more rights than your biological son in this context, in the Greek concept in terms of it was used. Right? You adopted into a family never ever to be disowned by the, by the parents. You could of your own choice leave. But listen carefully, but the one who adopted you, the father in this case, could not by any means disconnect from you. Now that should set you at, at peace. God in his disposition to you will never leave you. He will never disconnect from you. Okay? So I, I want to encourage, because you know what our biggest fear is? Fear. Fear itself. Of not being accepted by God. Right? That's why John would say, perfect love. Does what to fear? I like to kick, right? It kicks it out. Perfect love, boom, kicks out what? Fear, right? There's no torment in love, John says. The idea of being tormented is not in love. So when you're perfected in God's love, meaning two things, you have the full knowledge that God truly loves you, and as Andy said, you've taken that love and you've perfected it with the brothers. You in a very powerful position called no fear. Tell someone no fear. That is why, love God, yes, but love your brother, and you're in a very powerful position called the inability to be afraid. No fear. And so the spirit of adoption, which is the Holy Ghost, is given to you by which we cry, Abba, Father. The next verse says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? We are children of God. So his spirit testifies with my spirit that we are, that I am a son of God. Think about this. In my view, the preeminent responsibility of the Holy Ghost is to entrench sonship. Everything else is secondary. Everything, tongues, prophecy, working of everything else is an outcome of this primary thing. Say it after me. The primary purpose of the Holy Ghost is to entrench sonship in me. He was given for this purpose. His spirit testifies with my spirit that I am what? Son. Sonship is his deal. Sonship is his thing. Sonship is his aim. The Holy Ghost in you wants to make you the son of God that you should be. That's why he's called the spirit of Jesus. He's called the spirit of what? The spirit of adoption that gives you the capacity to cry. Abba. Father, you can only relate to Father as a son by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a relational Holy Ghost. He's there in you to entrench intimately your relationship with God as your Father. Lift up your hands and say, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Spirit of the Lord. When, when Pentecostals think Holy Ghost, it's boom, bang, crash, shangalang. We only think the power dimensions. 
let me just say this. I will teach on the Holy Ghost strongly in next year. But that dynamic is biblical and proper and must be administrated wisely in a, in, in a, in a dignified fashion. But its, its intent is always to entrench sonship in those to whom those gifts or graces are administered to. When, uh, from this point onwards, church, when you think Holy Ghost, you think what? Sonship. Holy Ghost is in me to confirm my sonship in Christ. Galatians 4, 6. Galatians 4, 6. Okay, now yeah, it gets a bit tricky. Watch. Paul, similarly, in his letter to the Galatians, says this. Because you are what? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of who? Spirit of his son. Tell someone, amazing. You just think Holy Ghost, that Holy Ghost in me. But it's the spirit of what? It's not just Holy Ghost in you. It's spirit of Jesus in you. It's spirit of the S-O-N, capital S, in you. That's the Holy Ghost. Jesus left, but he said, I'm still with you. By a spirit I will give to you. That spirit is exactly akin to everything I am. Come on, say with me, the spirit of his son. Okay, I'm feeling empowered as I'm speaking right now. God is healing some stuff in me. Honestly, I'm telling you. Tell someone I am a son. By the spirit of the son. Jesus, Satan came to Jesus. Every one of the temptations start. If you are the son, do this. If you are, if the devil can attack your sonship. If he can get you to leave that position. And yet the spirit has come to entrench that position. So when you function as the, the son of God, let me just say this to you. You will have no more insecurity issues. No more identity issues. Yeah. Where's uh, Charis? She asked her. Come, let's pray for you. I saw something when you come, girl. This is your time. Charis is a special girl. Eh? Come stand next to me. Eh? Stay curious. Hallelujah. Stay curious in the word. Hallelujah. <laughs> come on, lift, point your hands to this girl. I saw something. I saw her forget words. And the Holy Ghost said to me, but you will not forget my word because my spirit is in her. And it's the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of the Son. Charis, we bless you today with the spirit of Jesus. You have the spirit of the Son of God in you. And you are going to be formidable. Can I want you to speak words? You're going to be strong. You're going to be, uh, you will not be easily totted or dislodged or displaced. You're going to stand your ground. Yeah? Everyone say, I'm strong. Say, I'm strong. Come on, say it on the mic. I'm strong. Amen. Say, I'm not a pushover. I'm not a pushover. I'm not a pushover. So not even my parents can push me over. Not even my parents can push me over. <laughs> oh, they're going to come for me after this. 
when I say this, Sharis, you're going to be such a strong girl. You're going to see that you're going to be really, um, things will be thrown at you in life, but you're going to stand and where others are falling, but you're going to be strong. You know why? Because the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the son, the spirit of adoption is in you. And um, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that any insecurity is broken in the name of the Lord. I thank you that Chattis will have a strong mind in Jesus' name. And I pray simultaneously also for, as I pray for, for everybody else here, that none of us here will be insecure in who we are in our identity. We are the sons of God in the earth. But we pray for Chattis that indeed you will raise her up as a Deborah in the kingdom. A strong woman of might and of power that will know the, the, the workings of the power of the Holy Ghost at work in her life. I bless on your behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Amen. God bless you. Come on, give Sherry a hand. Now, as I prayed for her, because I just saw something when she, when she spoke there, that blessing is on all the kids and all the adults as well. My point, as the Holy Ghost inflected, interjected there was this. You must never walk around with an inferiority complex. Never think of yourself less than the son that God made you to be. You are God's son. So you walk not arrogantly, but you walk confidently. You don't be arrogant and proud in this, but you walk with full assurance in all that the Lord has called you to do and be as his son in the earth. This is an amazing scripture because you are sons. God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And noch al. The Bible adds, and that's not all. No, it's advert, and that's not all. There's something more. Uh, it's fine if I'm, I'm, uh, he's, I'm a son. And then it adds this rider here. It says, Oi, if then you are a son, by the way, you're God's heir. Heirs of the Father. And another scripture says in Romans, joint heirs with who? With the Son. Imagine, anything Jesus has is mine. To be an heir of the Father in itself is a powerful thing. But when Paul adds in Romans, God is, the Father's not just my heir, but I'm a joint heir together with Christ. The Father is Christ the Son's heir. Whatever he has in terms of inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. Yes. By the way, to inherit something, you don't have to work. You have to be. Yeah? You see, to reap, you have to sow. You have to do something to reap. So reaping has got tasks attendant with it. Inheritance, though, has got no works attached to it. You simply have to fulfill the position. Not so? The royal family who loves them. Do you know, um, to, be, to, to have all the benefits that those guys, Harry and them have, to have all the benefits they have, do you know he did not have to do anything, that guy? He just had to be born into the right family. And hey, presto, maintain the, 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 the protocols in the family and benefits, jurisdictions, governmental uh, 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 um, benefits and advantages come to him by virtue of who you are. Now, God has engrafted you into one of the greatest families on the earth. It's called the house of God. 
He says, I have heirs. The inheritance is me. Ah, your heirs of who? Of the Father. All that is mine, I give to you. Not just give to you, but I'll give to you in the same fashion as my eternal son, the Lord Jesus. Whatever he's privy to, you are privy to as, as well. Amen? You are privy to as well. Now, here's my point. My point is this. If he, the Holy Ghost... Oh, by the way, let me just make this statement. Just go back to the previous verse. Because some of you might not see this. Who cries up a father here? Who? The Holy Spirit cries up a father. Who is crying up a father in the previous verse in Romans 8? Look at Romans 8 verse 15 we read. Who is crying up a father there? Romans 8 15. Right? You have not received the spirit of slavery, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which? Who is crying? Even say we. In Romans 8, we cry Abba Father. In Galatians 4, the Holy Ghost is crying Abba Father. The Holy Ghost is crying Abba Father in and through you. In other words, without the Holy Ghost, there's no relationship with the Father. Tell someone, be aware of Him. Where is it, that verse? In, I think it's in Corinthians somewhere. He was joined to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, I think it is. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Say one spirit. It's amazing that my, my spirit can be joined to the, to the Lord and I can have, I can be one spirit with Him. Let me just say this to you. I'll talk to this later. That is the place you must get to. Listen to me very carefully. Where your spirit and the Holy Spirit are so one, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him that is indivisible as to who is who. Because you're so enmeshed, you're so um, into each other, you become indistinguishable from the, from the other. And I'll prove this to you via various points of scripture. First John 5.18, that we'll do later, but let me just get on to what I need to stress just for today. First John 5.18 says the following. We know that no one who is born of God sins. What sin is John referring to there? That's disconnecting from sonship, right? That is the sin that does not lead to death. Okay, we all understand, right? But he who is born of God, that's the Son of God with the Spirit, keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. Repeat this after me. The evil one cannot touch me. He has a great secret because all John is saying is, I'm born of God, the Son of God. have the Holy Ghost in me, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of Jesus in me. I love this word and it, it gripped me for almost a week and a half. Everyone say, keeps him. Say, I am kept. He who is born of God is not you. Because this is capital H. Get the scripture right, right? So if you read this, say, we know that no one, that's you and I, who is born of God since leaving sonship. But he, Jesus the eternal, capital H, he who is born of God keeps him. That's you. He keeps us. And when He has decided to keep us, 
the enemy cannot touch the sun that is kept by the sun. When the sun keeps the sun, the devil got no chance. Now, I'm here to encourage you. Say, I am kept. Say it again, I am kept. Now, you might be, I know what some of you, we've got some hectic Bible scholars in this church. I know you're thinking already, what about Pastor Randolph, the scriptures that say first, like First Timothy 5.22, keep yourself free from sin. Okay? Keep yourself free from sin. Right? Everyone say, keep yourself. Now, what is it? Does he keep me, as it says, or must I keep myself? What is it? Let me read a few scriptures before I explain. First, okay, Jude chapter 1 verse 24. Jude one twenty four says, Now to him who is able to do what? Is able to keep you from stumbling and make you stand in his presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. This is an amazing scripture you must log in. Lenny, you must log this scripture into your mind. When you think Jude one twenty four, you must say it to yourself, I, this, is, this is how I think when I think about scriptures. I say to myself, there's no ifs, maybes, or possibilities about me finishing strong. And coming before my father and him saying, well done, good and faithful. I know that's going to happen. I'm going to say it again to you, because if you think wrong now, that's not going to happen. There's no ifs, maybes, or buts about whether you're going to make it. Tell someone you are going to make it. Because this scripture then is untrue. This scripture says, He is able to keep me from falling or stumbling. Not so? Right? So he, so who keeps? First Peter, First Timothy 5, 22 says, Keep yourself. But this scripture, scripture must interpret scripture. It says, He is able to keep me from stumbling. Isn't that a marvelous truth? That God is able to keep me from falling. Right? I will fall in, I will not fall from sonship. That's my point. The Bible says even a righteous man falls what? Seven times. Not so? But each time he gets up. But he never leaves the position of the gift of righteousness or his sonship position in Christ. What I'm encouraging with you now is, in areas where we are prone or have this proclivity to fail or fall in certain respects, I want you, the church now, to tap into not your power to keep yourself, but in His power to keep you. Because if you rely on you, tell someone you are an unreliable source. Yeah? If you're going to rely on you to keep you, you are in trouble. But if you rely on the Son who keeps the sons, the evil one has got no chance with you. Tell someone the devil's not your problem. If I can live in an arena called kept, say kept. If I can live kept, the devil got no chance. The devil's, uh, like what Pastor Tamo often says, he's a stupid mosquito. He's such a, a, non, a non-factor in my life. He just irritates me now and then. But he's, yeah, swat him. Or doom him. Don't become a doom prophet. <laughs> Look at First Peter 1.5. Watch. 
This, this is an amazing scripture. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5 says this. We are protected by the power of God. What protects you? Everyone say power. power. What's power? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the Son, comes in you and keeps you or protects you. You are protected by the power of God. Look at the King James, same verse. Right? Or the new King James, whatever. First, or King James is fine. Everyone say kept. Protected. Kept. Say it again louder. Kept. Kept must be your new famous word this week. When people ask you this week, how is it? How are you? What's your response? Kept. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Children are having a blast here. Say kept. I'm, I'm going I'm to practice that this week. How's it, Randolph? How's it going? Kept. <laughs> what is that? I'll explain it. <laughs> The Spirit, the Son, keeps this Son by the power of the Holy Ghost. If I stay in sonship, the evil one cannot touch me. I am kept. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a short word, but one, Psalm 125, 1 verse 5, 121 verse 5. The Lord is your what? Everyone say, the Lord is your keeper. Drop down to verse 7. B. He will keep your soul. That part of you that is so prone. Your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Who keeps that? The Lord keeps that. Okay? The Lord keeps that. Now go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. Again. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified. Do we have Amplified? Yes. Remember, just leave this up, Luke. I said to you, go back to NASB. I said to you that... No one who is born of God sins, and this is the reason why I cannot leave sonship. Watch. He, the son, who is born of God, keeps him, the son. That's us. And the evil one cannot touch him. Now, to prove this, that this is true, the Amplified aptly frames it as follows. We know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. But the one, that's Jesus, who was begotten of God, carefully watches and protects him. Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against evil. And the wicked one does not lay hold, gets a grip on him, nor touch him. Amazing, eh? Jesus in you will keep you through the power of of the Holy Ghost. Now, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, is an amazing passage. Watch. Hebrews 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 2 and verse 11. Let me just, let me just say this. The book of Hebrews is, I just bought a commentary on it now. Pastor Thamo has been saying over and over again, it's one of those books that we must get into. And I plan to, in 2018, to really get into two books, the book of Romans and Hebrews. It's just an amazing book, eh? No one knows who wrote it. People believe it to be Paul, but it's not conclusive. Whoever the writer of Hebrews was, he had an understanding of the Old Testament covenant. You will see references it often. But he had insights into sonship. Everyone say sonship. An amazing insight into divinity and into sonship. In this passage, he says, He, and now, yeah, the capital is referring to who? You should know now. Capital is referring to? Jesus the Son, not so? 
So he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from who? From one father. He's from the father. We, the sons, are. So he sanctified. He sanctified us. We are being sanctified by him. We all come from the same source. Same father, not so? For which reason he is not, he, the son, is not ashamed to call us bruise. Jesus calls us bruise. That's an amazing. Jesus calls us brothers. Jesus is not just your savior. He's not just king of kings, lord and lord. You must factor this in your mind. He's my big bro. He's my elder brother in the family of God. Whatever privileges he has, he's dragging me into watch. Everyone do this. You know, when I think of this, it's the only way I can describe this in terms of the imagery in my mind. I like to do actions. I think, yes, the son, I'm the, the, lo- the lower son, the lesser son. And he, the big brew, he wants to drag me into everything that he has. He says, come, come, come. We have the same father. I will send my spirit into you. He through you and your spirit will cry to him. The same source, Abba, Father. So come, he's saying, come up, my son, to where I am. Come up and enjoy the privilege and the estate of sonship. There you will not be touched because I personally will ensure that I keep you. I personally will keep you. So, you know how ashamed we are to call each other brothers sometimes, yeah? Oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh, no, I don't know him. But you grow up, you're in the same church, but you, because of issues, you want to distance yourself. With all your freckles and your frikies, Jesus is not ashamed to say, my, prove that. You know what, when he stands before as an advocate, Quentin shared last week about his advocacy. He's like advocate before his father. He says, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the, with the father. He's not just saying, Lord, my father, these humans, it's not that these humans, he's saying, my bruise. He's not just appealing to you as humanity. He's saying, God, I came from you, your eternal son. All of these are from the same source. I sanctify, they are being sanctified. We are all from the same source. I am not ashamed to call them brothers. You will not be disrespectful tonight. If you refer in your prayer to Jesus and say, my big brother. You know the big brother syndrome in a positive sense. It's a powerful thing in the family. You know? Because the big firstborn, say firstborn. And I'll share with you, firstborn status is a wonderful thing. The firstborn desires to bring all the other sons into the same privileged position that he has. Then it says, watch, I like this, saying, now, who's saying, who's talking? Jesus, not so? Jesus is saying, who is he talking to? Come on, get the scriptures right, who is he talking to? His father. Think about it like this, okay, let me understand. Yes, Jesus, right, there's a father up there, he's before his father, he's got all of us here, other sons, and he's saying to his father, I will proclaim what? Your, your name. What is your, what is his name? Father. Remember in John 17, he prayed in the garden. And he said, Father, I have kept them in your... In fact, somebody find the scripture. That's a scripture about Revelation I'm getting now. Because he used the word kept. Yeah. 
John 17. Somebody find it. He says, Father, I have kept them where? What is name? Name is not just a descriptor. Name is nature. Name is character. He says, Father, I have kept them in your name. Has anyone found it here? I've kept them in your nature. We'll come to the scripture in a moment. To, to who? I will proclaim your name to my, my brothers, my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise. You know, I have new insights into worship in recent days. Worship and praise is not just your spirit responding to the spirit of God in heaven. Or it's not just a man's spirit worshiping God in heaven. It's the Holy Ghost in you by the Son in you praising the Father. That's why the Father seeks worship. That's why the new requirement for worship teams, singers, allow the Spirit of Christ in you to praise through you. He is saying as the Son, I will sing praise to you. And yes, what I really like, verse 13. Again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, this is the writer of the book of Hebrews, quoting a bunch of Old Testament Psalms and Scriptures. And he says, And behold, you don't say behold, I and the children. Say, I and the children. This is Jesus talking to his father. His father, my father. Don't just look at me. It's I and the children. It's I and the children that you have given to me. Jesus, when he makes representation to his father, does not just want you, himself rather, to be represented before his father, but he wants to bring every other son into the same privileged position and estate that he has. So it's I and the children. Say I and the children. So I want to encourage you to start to live your life on the strength by which you are kept. You are kept by the power of God. You are kept by the spirit of adoption. You are kept by the spirit of the Son in you. And He wants to bring you into the same privileged position with all benefits that He has as the Son. Now when that revelation, say revelation, when that knowledge hits you, you'll think twice about sinning. You'll think twice about acting in a manner that's not in keeping with the nature of your father. Did you find that verse in 17.12? Let's close with that because of time. I will show you next week of how this fosters and pushes obedience. Say kept So then if you're at work in the week and you're tempted to lie, let's say, or tempted to sin in any respect, the word that must hit your mind is kept. Kept, I'm the son. He, he's keeping me. I'm kept. You see, you've got to tap into the Holy Spirit's power to keep you. That's my point. I'm kept by the power. While I was with them, watch what he said here. I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. His name is Father. 
So the, the father gives the name father to the son. That's why Jesus, unto us, child is born, a son is. And his name will be, one of his names is everlasting father, not so? So the son represents the father. Right? And so, I guarded them that none of them perished, but who? But the son of perdition that the scripture would be fulfilled. Judas left the position of sonship. Remember I said to you, he could not overcome greed. He could not overcome this, the, the micro thing. And so he headed for the macro, which is leaving the estate of, of sonship. So Jesus prayed to his father that he kept us in his name, in the name of his father. And I want to encourage you that you are kept. But as, as you go through this week, please function in the power of the precious Holy Spirit. Think he's in me, he's with me, he's the spirit of adoption, the spirit of Jesus is in me. Lenny, in the face of your work front, I know you're in a dangerous occupation, especially in this culture, and all that you have to contend with, say the spirit of Jesus is in me. The spirit of adoption is crying through me so I can cry with him, my father, my father, Abba, father, to Jesus. Okay? So I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a son of God. Stand with me. Let's sing that. Can the team come? I just want to sing that once through. I often wondered why the songwriter put that bridge in the song. Why split the sea? You You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in endless love. You rescued me so I can stand and sing. The core, the bridge of the song, I understood the rest of the song until I began to reflect of Egypt's passing through the Red Sea. Remember? He opened the Red Sea and who drowned in the Red Sea? The Egyptian army. Right? Remember? Exodus 4 says... When Moses was instructed to address Pharaoh, God said to him, say to Pharaoh, let my son go. He must say, let my son go. The whole nation corporately is given the descriptor of what? Son. And God further entrenched, let Israel, my son, go, my firstborn. As he is firstborn, so are we. Okay? Now, do you know it's fine to take Israel out of Egypt and to take them slightly north to Canaan and leave them there. Do you know what, what what will be psychological damage to that nation? The perpetual threat of an Egyptian army invading them later. So what God had to ensure, the psychological threat that Egypt represented had to be once and for all wiped out. So God in one moment took the, the future potential threat on the psyche of a nation, he dealt with that once and for all by crippling the military might of a superpower which was Egypt in their day in one moment. Tell your neighbor next to you, no more psychological taunts on your sonship. Never forget. Blaine, never forget you are God's son, my boy. Say it with me, I'm God's son. Never forget the threat of leaving that has been dealt with. Lift up your hands and sing it. Now you sing it with understanding. We bless you, God. Father, my Father. Abba, Father. 
Abba Father. Spirit in us cries through us, enabling us to cry. Abba Father. The most intimate term any human can relate to a supreme, sovereign, transcendental God is to call Him my Papa, my Daddy, my Father, my Father, my Father. Come on, just tell Him, Daddy, Daddy, Papa, Father, Father God, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of sonship. Baptize this house in the spirit of sonship. Holy Ghost, come. Come, Holy Ghost. Fill us, O God. Thank you, Spirit. We bless you. Ever, Father, holy is your name. Ever, Father, holy, holy is your name. your name your favorite name is father you love to hear your children calling your there to care just when we fall your favorite name is father Let's give him a hand of praise. Our Papa, our Father, we love you, God. We love you, Father. Amen. You may be seated.